Hello and welcome to the Netcast Podcast, where you will find Bible studies that follow an in-depth approach to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and my prayer is that you are encouraged by these lessons from the Word of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. Welcome back, Netcast listeners, and thank you for joining us for Episode 2 of Season 6, Psalms of Life. We're going to be going backwards a little bit. I know we've already studied one psalm, but we're going to do an introduction to the psalms today to get a better grasp of what these psalms contain, and I think it will help us as we go through the rest of this series in understanding what God has revealed to us. And so join me in this introduction to the book of Psalms. I think it is safe to say as we begin that the psalms are in the Old Testament, but more importantly, the Old Testament is in the psalms. We are entering the sanctuary of Israel where God meets his people in worship and in prayer. The Psalms appeal to the entire person. They inform our intellect. They awaken our emotions. They direct our wills and they stimulate our imaginations. When we read the Psalms, we should be changed as a result. The date of the writing of the Psalms goes from 3,500 years ago, the oldest Psalm was written, to 2,500 years ago, the latest Psalm was written. This would be like someone in A.D. 5500 reading a song written today in our modern era and trying to learn what it means. Tremper Longman said, along with chronological distance, we must also take into account cultural distance. While cultural dissimilarity should not be overplayed, since there is much continuity between cultures, we can expect that we will run into some customs and expressions that are strange to our modern technological society. One thing that we must be aware of are the multiple genres that are found in the Psalms. By genre, we mean type, similar in mood, content, structure, and phrasing. And these types include hymns, laments, psalms of remembrance, psalms of confidence, psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of wisdom, and also kingship. Remember, though, to be flexible. Many psalms are written in multiple genres and often express features of a variety of styles within each poem or song. The first type is a hymn. Hymns begin with a call to worship. They continue by explaining why God should be praised, concluding with further calls to worship. For example, in Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, A psalm of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. It calls upon his benefits and says that as a result, we should bless or praise the Lord. The second type is a lament, and this is where the psalmist is troubled by his thoughts and actions, by his enemies, or even by God, and and the way that he feels God has distanced himself from the psalmist. And for example, in Psalm 22, 1 and 2, a psalm of David, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. A psalm of lament includes an invocation, a plea to God for help, complaints that are listed, a confession of sin or an assertion of innocence, the curse of enemies, in other words, an imprecation, and confidence in God's response, and then it's followed by a hymn or a blessing. Now note, all seven elements will rarely occur together. We just simply identify psalms of lament by some of these characteristics. The third type of psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. These are songs of thanks to God that often follow an answered lament or prayer. 
For example, in Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5, it says, Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And then we look at Psalms of Confidence. These are psalms that express trust in God's goodness and His power. In Psalm 131, verse 2, it says, Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. And then we look at Psalms of Remembrance. These are references to the great redemptive acts of the past. If you go to Psalm 105, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Now watch this. Make known his deeds among the people. God has done things in the past that cause us to give him honor and glory. And then there are Psalms of Wisdom. These are concrete teachings for how God wants us to live. And you may remember when we studied last time in Psalm 1, this is a great example. In Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then we have Psalms of Kingship. These are focusing on either the earthly ruler or the sovereign rule of God over heaven and earth. For example, in Psalm 47, verse 7, it says, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. The next thing we need to address as we're doing this introduction is the titles of the psalms. For example, we have such things as orphan psalms. These are psalms that do not have a title, like Psalm 33, for example. And then we have psalms that include the authorship, like Psalm 87. Sometimes we see where the psalm includes the occasion upon which the psalm was either reflecting or happening, that like in Psalm 3, it says a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Then in Psalm 18, it is connected with an Old Testament verse. That's why we said the psalms are in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is in the psalms because you can actually go back and read the story surrounding the writing of the psalm. In Psalm 51, we can find that in 2 Samuel 12. And as I said, Psalm 18 is found in 2 Samuel 22. And then there are a lot of reliable early traditions that lead us to believe that these titles that are on these psalms are actually true to the events as they happened in history. It is also important to understand how the psalms were brought together. For example, we have psalms that are as old as Moses, Psalm 90, for example. And then we have psalms from the return from exile in Psalm 126. And then we have the thousand-year period reflected in Psalm 137. And we know that there are five books that are actually within the book of Psalms, and there are various groupings of those psalms. For example, in Psalm 1 through 41, this constitutes book 1 of the psalms. Book 2 is Psalm 42 to 72, Book 3 is Psalm 73 to 89. Book 4 is Psalm 90 to 106. And Book 5 is Psalm 107 to 150. Each book ends with a doxology of praise, and that's why they're broken up into those particular categories. You can see an example of that doxology in Psalm 41 and verse 13. Now, how are the Psalms used in the Old Testament? Well, in 1 Chronicles 16, 4 through 7, it reveals that Psalms were used in the worship of Israel both publicly and privately. You can look at Hannah's prayer and the story of Hannah and her son in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, and in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. 
These are examples of psalms that are found outside of the book of Psalms itself. But when you go to Psalm 92, and particularly Psalm 120 to 134, these songs were assigned for ascent to the temple or labeled specifically for the Sabbath day. And so we learn how they use the psalms in their worship. Again, Tremper Longman, who I owe a great deal of gratitude to for the material I'm sharing with you in this episode, he said, as a matter of fact, the Psalter represents theology in its most vibrant form. We are not surprised then that the Psalter does not present a systematic picture of God and his relationship to the world. The Psalms give us theology written in intimate relationship with God and in close touch with life. God enters into a personal relationship with his people as he enters into a covenant relationship with them, and it's a key phrase associated with the idea of covenant in the Bible, and that is, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We see God's presence in this way throughout the Psalms. For example, God is portrayed in the Psalms as a shepherd. He is also described as a father, or a spouse, or a captain, and even a mother. Sometimes we sense God's intimacy in fearsomeness, though, as in Psalm 18, 7-9, which reads, Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains were trembling and were shaken, because he was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils, and fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down with thick darkness under his feet. One truth that the psalm certainly proclaims is that God is ruler in the psalms. He reigns supreme in Psalm 93, 1 and 2. He is the lawgiver in Psalm 19, 7 through 11. God issues both blessings and curses, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. And he loves and forgives, Psalm 136, verse 1, verse 10, and verse 11. Also, Psalm 51, 1 and 2. One other beautiful quality about the Psalms is they reveal to us the messianic hope. The Messiah is promised in the Psalms. In Luke 24, 25-27, the Bible says the scriptures record truths about Jesus. But in Luke 24, 44, Jesus specifically said that there were things written in the Psalms, truths about him that must be fulfilled. And the New Testament quotes the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. The Psalms anticipated the coming Messiah. Psalm 2-7 is said to be paralleled or fulfilled in Jesus in Acts 13 and verse 33, for example. We see the same thing happen in Psalm 16 and verse 10, where it is fulfilled by Christ in Acts chapter 13 and verse 35. This happens over and over again in the New Testament. Christ is worthy of praise, Hebrews chapter 1, 8 through 12, Psalm 102, verse 25 and following. And you can also read Revelation chapter 5, 12 to 13 to confirm that Jesus is in fact worthy of praise. Again, Tremper Longman, who we quoted several times already in this episode, he said that the Psalms are a window of the soul, and they accomplish four things. They inform our intellect, they awaken our emotions, they direct our wills, and they stimulate our imaginations. Let's begin talking about this first one, that is where the Psalms inform our intellect. Why do we read the front page of the newspaper to see headlines about current events from yesterday? Why do we look at the sports page to see who won the big game? A textbook is studied in school to gain knowledge in some specific area. Well, the Psalms give information about God and His dealings with us and our interactions with Him, and so they inform our intellect. Secondly, they awaken our emotions. We cannot read the Psalms without being stirred in some way. We learn about God and we learn about our own earthly experience. 
Psalms are identified by their dominant mood, whether it's the joy of praise, the sadness of lament, the peace of confidence. S.G. Meyer said the range of emotional expression often allows the reader to express his inner life. They assist him in verbalizing what he heretofore has been unable to communicate. In doing so, he often crystallizes the nature and identity of his problem. Thirdly, the Psalms direct our wills. There are instructions for how we should behave ourselves. It draws a contrast between righteous living and those who choose to be wicked. Notice the I will statements of the Psalms suggesting how we are led to live when we read those verses, as in Psalm 7, verse 17. We find commands that storm the will to obedience, as in Psalm 29, 1 and 2. And finally, the Psalms stimulate our imagination. The best example of this contrast is found in Exodus 15, verses 1 through 5, where we see the poetic story told, and then the prose in Exodus 14, 26 to 31. Now think about this. Poetry is attractive to read. Poetry is more consistently literary, but prose leaves less to interpretation. It tells every detail of the story. Poetry offers imagery, and it's not often found in prose. Poetry is also laced with parallelism for artistry and further clarity. When we look at poetry versus prose, when Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Prose wants to interpret it. It wants to say that the Lord wants to care for our every need from day to day as our caretaker. To say an enemy is, a, is ruthless and cruel seems easier than to say he is a lion, but both of them are true. And so it's important for us to remember as we study through the Psalms that we're going to see a lot of this imagery that calls us to make some interpretation, to calls us to think on and meditate upon the things that are being shared so that we can get the bigger picture of what God is trying to say. Now, what we learn from the New Testament about things that were written before is that they have an importance, and so I want you to value the Psalms greatly. In Romans 15, verse 4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And we've already pointed out that the Psalms are included in what we understand to be the Scriptures. In 2 Timothy 3, 14-17, it says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Beyond using the Psalms as an instruction book, we also realize that the New Testament commands Christians to sing to one another in Psalms. We speak to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 19. It also says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so sometimes in our own worship as Christians, we do bring up psalms and sing them as a reminder to us of these wonderful things that God has treasured up in the book of Psalms. The Bible says in James 5 and verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now listen to this next part. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. 
I hope that this has been a helpful brief introduction to the Psalms as we continue in our series, Psalms of Life. Please join us next time as we study Psalm 2 together. Have you visited the Netcast podcast store yet? This is going to provide you with a place to get your Netcast merch. At the same time, you will be supporting the Netcast podcast with a portion of your purchase and securing an opportunity to talk about the faith that we share together on this podcast. Click the shop link to learn more at netcasthost.com forward slash shop. Thank you for your support in advance. In season six, titled Psalms of Life, I have a special offer that is connected with the series in the book of Psalms. If you partner with Netcast during our sixth season, I want to send you the complete outline for the studies, but I will also be including the supplemental PowerPoint slideshows to guide you in your study. If you want to become a partner or make a donation, you can send PayPal donations using netcasthost at gmail.com or visit patreon.com forward slash netcast to learn more about how you can get on board with this podcast. I have also added this podcast to buymeacoffee.com forward slash netcasthost where you can send a small gift of any amount to help support the show. Thank you in advance. If you are not able to support this ministry effort financially at this time, would you please consider doing one of the following? First, please subscribe and continue to be a dedicated listener. Next, please share Netcast with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe. Finally, consider leaving a review for the podcast so that your positive feedback could encourage others to listen. Take a few moments after we sign off today to visit our website at netcasthost.com. Here you will find transcripts of the podcast on the blog. You can sign up for the free newsletter, become a member, and join Netcast for free, which will give you access to hidden portions of the podcast host site like our members forum and so much more. Don't forget to check out our social media sites on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to like and follow the podcast as we use these sites to keep you current on what is happening at Netcast. Every new episode is announced on these media outlets. Until next time, God bless you richly in Jesus Christ, our Lord.